Welcome to Tigers Tonight, a podcast dedicated to University of Memphis Tiger football. Here's your host, John Maddox. And good evening, everyone. Welcome into Tigers Tonight. I'm your host, John Maddox, joined as always by the best co-co-host in all the land. We will start with our friend down in beautiful Hernando, Mississippi at the Palatial Marley Manor. Larry Marley, how are you this evening, my friend? Well, we're on a two-game losing streak, and um, I just got back from New York. Lo- I love you, Brian, but Manhattan sucks. And uh, and you know that, by the way. You agree with me on that. Yes, so I, uh, I actually uh, ended up, uh, some of you saw on my Twitter account, I ended up, I found the home of Ole Miss Athletics in Manhattan, um, and it strictly was by accident. I stumbled upon it. So, um, yeah, the week's just been going Jim Dandy. I just have to go. (laughs) Yeah. And let's see if things are any better up in New Jersey way and talk to our friend Brian Moss. Brian, how are you this evening? Not too bad. Chilly. Windows are open. Feels good up here. Yeah, it's hot as blazes down here. Still unbelievable. So the Tigers, as Larry said, coming off a the second the back-to-back loss, and I, I did the math, unfortunately. And in the last two games, Memphis has led by a combined score of 38 to nothing before the other team scores. But after that, it is 65 to – I think it's 22 now when you throw in the garbage touchdown late against Temple. And, and Brian, the concerning thing to me is – this is deja vu, the feeling we've seen this bull crap before. Yeah, and it's the third time this year that Memphis has been outscored in the second half. Um, I mean, it's it's you know it's, it's becoming a pattern, and it's a dangerous pattern. But the only two, uh, I mean, the only time they won that uh, they were outscored in the second half was the Arkansas State game. They were outscored 21-27, but still, you know, found a way to win. Against UTSA, you only scored seven points in the second half. Against Temple, you only scored 14 points in the second half. This is – it's a trend downwards, and you don't want to see that. It's uh, its definitely concerning. Panic button, probably not, but definitely concerned. Yeah, I think our hand is hovering over that panic button, Larry, but maybe not uh, pressing down on it. But just just disappointed overall in, in just pretty much everything from about the – Let's see, what was it? About the two-minute, uh, let's see, the Tigers scored with uh, 12.38 to go in the second quarter right after an intercept or a, a turnover on downs by Temple. But just after that, it just seemed like everything just slogged down and we couldn't do anything right. Well, this was, again, a game of adjustments. And what you saw was early on Memphis had a really good game plan coming into the game. And, guys, if you recall last year, early in the year, we talked about the second and third quarter problems that Memphis had. Brian, you even mentioned it to Coach Silverfield last year at a press conference. Um, that, 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 that was an issue. Second quarters last year were an issue as well. And we've continued to see this. Um, where we come out with a good game plan, the other team adjusts, and we never readjust to that. And, and let me give you an example of this. So in this game, Memphis comes out. Temple has is, is basically playing a standard over-the-top 
um, defense with a safety over the top on the trips. If you go trips one side or the other, single safety over the top, and then you're playing safety over the middle. When we were running drag routes, we scored a touchdown on that. Uh, Javon Ivory got a touchdown on that to put us up 17-0. Temple adjusted to that. They came back, and instead of playing over the top, they played quarters. John, you've mentioned this before. They came back and started playing quarters on us. And we never – so when you play quarters, what is open is back shoulder routes. And what do we talk about all the time with quarters, guys? Screen passes. That's what's open. We ran one screen pass that I remember. And, and, and this is just a, a problem. You can't run your way out of this adjustment. I'm sorry. I know, I know we didn't run the ball very well, which – can be a great equalizer, but guys, it just they made one simple adjustment and we never came out of it. I, I, I'm, I'm stymied. I don't understand. Well, and I think it, it permeates on both sides of the ball. Um, it was described on offense. It was described by one of our listeners on uh, on Twitter as almost like battleship football, meaning once you get past those first ten scripted plays, it feels like we're guessing a lot and, and we don't get in a rhythm and and we don't let our playmakers get comfortable and it, it we'll go well we'll try this well let's try this well let's try this well let's try this and then try this and then and it just feels like we don't have a plan after that first quarter you know most teams in Memphis is no different they skip script the first 10 to 15 plays where we don't really care how Temple lines up here's the 10 plays we're going to run in our 10 opportunities now that of course is Nicks for field position and whatnot. But I tell you what was, and it should have been a red flag to me, but I let it go. And I, I talk about these little things all the time. That first drive, we go 17 plays for 84 yards in over five minutes, and we have to kick a field goal. Now, I'm not saying that all costs us the game or anything, but that should have been a precursor for us of things to come. We got down there and we kind of bogged down. You know, we'll point to the two fumbles we had as well as just being huge, especially Watkins' fumble on the two-yard line that was inexcusable. Let's just call it what it was. It was inexcusable. He was trying to switch hands with the ball in the middle of the field, which you just don't do. And for those who don't know, that's why you'll always see if somebody's running down the left sideline, they'll switch the ball their left hand. So that if it knocks out, it goes out of bounds. But there's no reason to do that in the middle of the field. But you go back and you watch that. Yeah, you know, Eagle Claws, Justin Fuente used to talk about. You go back and you watch those those three things right there. And Brian, that's really the difference in the game. Brandon Thomas fumble, Colin Watkins fumble, and then you go on a long, massive drive to open the game, and you just get three, and you don't get seven. Yeah, that definitely hurt. And you know those fumbles hurt. And Temple, you know, was able to capitalize on one of them. They got seven points, you know, off of it. I mean, Temple won by, you know, by three. So I just, just Memphis continues to shoot themselves in the foot. And, you know, they, they better figure it out quickly or this season will get bad real quick. Larry, I'm just, I'm, I'm just confused as to, to why we have to have the same discussion every week. And, you know, and the other thing, of course, that's going to jump off the page at all of us, we lost the damn time of possession battle by 11 minutes again. And that Can't get was off the field on third down. Look, look right. at their third down conversions. Uh, third downs. They were, uh, they were 
But here's the thing. We were 66%, 65%. Uh, Look at the number of plays, John. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that wasn't as bad as it has been. Uh, Let me get back. I've lost it. I'm just saying, like, so so here's – so when you you are losing your time of possession, you're losing the number of plays, and you're not – um, and you're you're not winning the the the, the battle on the ground. You, I think they, we tied, or maybe we had a. It was really close. Um, I guess a team that you really should should win that battle. It, it, guys, look, I knew it was going to be a slog up there, but you're up seventeen to nothing. And and as it so so okay, so let's 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 flip this around defensively. All right, and know it's the first quarter, and you're but you're up seventeen to nothing. So so. What you're trying to try to do now, A, you, you have a little leeway here. You can you can go for the ball. You can you can make a few um, plays that, that if it's tighter, you can't do. You should be creating turnovers. When you when you have the lead, you you, you go for you, you you do a little more freelance. Look, that's built into the defense. And it should be anyway. Um, we're not creating turnovers, we're not giving our offense short fields. We haven't done this all year. And if we don't start getting stops and winning the field position battle, guys, it, it, look, it's not going to get any damn easier. Like, we're, we are a dog to Tulsa that just lost by 35 at home. And are sitting one and four. And sitting one and four. And we're a dog to them. Now, I don't know that we should be. Okay, I'm not saying we should be. But Vegas thinks we should be. And I got to be honest with you, the way I've seen us play, I don't know that I disagree with them. So you're, you're defensively, we're not, we're not running to the ball. We're not um, flying around the field. We're not reacting. And, and that's the one of the things that we're, we are, we are trying too hard. We're, we're thinking instead of reacting. And that's what I'm seeing out of our defense. And I, I you know, this is not the first year we've run this defense. It's not, you know, we, we've had a whole off season. What in the world is going on with our, not, not just our secondary, why can we not get to the quarterback? I, I texted you guys. I can't remember the last time we had a sack. I mean, I really can't. I know we had some against UTSA, but I legitimately can't remember. I, I, a legit sack where on third down, they, they need a first down and we get to the quarterback and we, we, we get them off the field. Can you remember the last time that happened? I can't. No, and, and and I think, you know, everybody tried to tell me, including you guys, how much better the defense was going to be this year and how different this was. This was the year they were going to break out. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the excuse now? Because you're in second years, you're in second year of Max system. You did have an entire off season. You have good players, apparently. Mm-hmm but we're still having the same discussions on defense, no pressure on the quarterback, uh, poor angles in the zone. You know, the other thing that's open, switching over to offense against quarters, is the middle of the field. I mean, yep. you know, the Drags, seams. Like, when's the last seam route we've ran? Oh, boy. So I, I keep hearing all this, and, and I'm starting to, you know, like I said, my finger's not pushing the panic button but it's hovering over it. And it's only because Brian, we are seeing a loop every week and we were just better than Arkansas state as that's proven to be. And our mistakes got covered up a little bit, but 
again, I mean, I just go back, you know, you, Larry, you were talking about plays. They only ran five more plays than we did. Our average yards per play were even. Uh, they converted one less third down than we did. So what are teams doing to us defensively? You know, you look at the passing yards. Again, th- this tells me all I need to know. For the second straight week, a quarterback completed more than 70% of his passes. Uh, Mathis was 35 out of 49 for 322 yards and three touchdowns, 71% completion. So, you know, guys, that, that tells me what I need to know that we have decided, and and look, I'm not saying this is wrong because this is, I've been on this bus forever. If we can't get to the quarterback, we don't have good enough secondary play to play man and bring five and six guys. So this is the inherent problem, Brian, with a three, four, if you're not getting pressure from those three guys and maybe a, a linebacker, somebody who walks up, then you're going to give up a metric crap ton of yards. Yeah, and when I was watching the game from the press box Saturday, I mean, they were, you know, throwing in the linebacker, and it wasn't just always on the outside. It was, you know, some on the inside. It just seemed like Temple knew what Memphis was going to do because um, anytime I saw Memphis blitz, it was covered. It was picked up, and you know I, I remember saying in the you know in the pre-season uh, podcast that I am not worried about the defense, and <laughs> I was wrong because I'm I'm definitely worried because you see the same problems every single week, and uh, to the point where it's it's really frustrating how you can you just you give up the underneath route every single week. It's it's, it's insanity on. I mean, that's why the quarterbacks have 70-plus percent you know, like against Memphis. Memphis has given them, you know, the first five, seven yards. I mean, it's just you, – you got to – to me, you, you have to change something. And, you know, do you have to change a three – not necessarily have to change a three, four, but you got to do something different because what you're doing is not working. Well, I, the, the thing about the three, four guys is this, and I've, told, I've said this on this show, John, you know I've told you this. In order to run the three four, the the, the 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 two things you have to have, you have to get pressure right up the middle. You have to have somebody that can get pressure up the middle, and you got to have four hella linebackers. I'm talking about guys that can fly around the field and make plays on all sides of the ball. That's the difference between the four three and the three four. With the four three, you have a built in funnel, okay, on the outside because. You've got the ends. You can loop them. You can bring them in, whatever. But with a 3-4, you don't have that. And so you've got to get those guys outside, and they've got to fly, and then they've got to come back. Guys, i got to be honest with you. What I've seen so far, we don't have that level of linebacker on the field. we got one and two, but we don't have four. And that's where you get hurt. And that's what, to me, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing guys that are, are they're, they're trying to make plays that honestly, if, I mean, let's just be honest, they're just not athletically capable of making. And that's just, I mean, that's just it. If run right, look, we saw the Steelers do this for years, right? But hell, the Steelers had Hall of Fame linebackers, right? I mean, it makes a difference. I'm not saying we can't run this defense. I'm saying we can't run it how it's being run right now. Because we're getting killed. 
but but the whole nature of the three four back to Brian's point is you are willing to sacrifice those underneath routes. And one thing, Memphis, let me be positive here for a second. Let me be a positive Paul for a second. One thing Memphis has done a great job of this year playing this shell is we're not getting beat deep. Like we're not letting guys get behind us. We're not giving up 60 yard touchdowns, but at some point it gets harder to get off the field and keep the time of possession even. And I'll just, where would we be this year without Quindell, Quindell Johnson and JJ Russell? They had 29 of our 74 tackles between the two of them on Saturday. And Sanchez added nine. And Zay Collins had it seven. So you basically had four guys that had almost half of your tackles. And none of those guys are who Larry's talking about on the front line. That's right. That's where your problem comes in. Because if you're not getting pressure, especially right up the gut, then you, you just you can't you can't afford but Memphis also is kind of stuck because it looks like we can't afford to go man against guys because we've got some issues with speed and and I saw some technique issues in the temple game that I hadn't seen before with guys not knowing how to get their head around um, and keeping their hips square and, and just some stuff that you know we hadn't seen but but I'll, I'll be fair to those guys. Damn it, they've got to be exhausted. I mean, we've lost three straight time of possession games by 11 minutes. And that doesn't sound like a lot to us. The dude, that's, that's, that is three-fourths of a quarter that you're not on the field. And but, but it's like I asked in my article. I, I don't mind. Look, I don't mind if you lose time of possession, John. Here's what I do mind. I'd mind when you lose time of possession – but you're not scoring. Like right. it's yep. one thing if you can score and you make the other team one dimensional. All right. Well, now you can, you, it's a different beast, but we're not doing that. We we're not making them one dimensional. We're not keeping, because once you know what somebody's going to do, I mean, I don't care what defense you play. You, you pretty much, you got it. We haven't done that. I mean, it, the, the most frustrating part of all this is, that we haven't dictated to the other team there. We haven't dictated to their offense, what you're going to do. And defense is all about taking the offense out of rhythm. And we haven't done that guys. We haven't done that to anybody this year. And I'd include Nichols. <laughs> I mean, we really haven't. It's yeah. Frustrating. It, it, it is. It's exceptionally frustrating. And, and Brian to Larry's point about school, you know, time of possession, we're kind of wringing our hands. But, you know, I went back to 2017 when Memphis was last in time of possession in the conference. Well, they're last right now, but they were scoring at that time six more points a ball game, which, again, doesn't sound like a lot, but you space that over a whole season. We were scoring at a ridiculous pace in the mid-40s. So now you've got the adage of you got the defense on the field for too long because we can't, you know, we can't blitz, we can't run man, so don't get many three and outs. And now the offense – is either scoring or going three and out. It seems like it's one or the other or fumbling. And that is just our recipe for disaster. Yeah. You add those Memphis could definitely use that extra six points, you know, per game. Cause if, if you add those extra six points last game in this game, you're, you're, you're undefeated right now, but Memphis, they, you, 
got to stop shooting yourselves in the foot with the fumbles, uh, penalties, and you know, I, and I really don't know how you fix that right now, other than just like not necessarily hit the reset button, but sit the team down. And I don't know if it needs to be like a team event, a team building, bonding, whatever you want to call it. But did, you know, there has to be. There's, there's, you, you have to do something here to get you know through to them that this is obviously unacceptable because you know it's easy i, I mean i texted you you're you know emphasis two fumbles away from you know being undefeated and you responded back you know you're a couple plays away from being one and four that that, that margin of error is so, so thin razor, yeah it's razor thin this year well, but, but but it's not that's not abnormal for for every year. I mean, there's always a player or two here or there. But I mean, here's the reality: every game can't be a gut wrencher. You got to go out and, and defensive. We're scoring enough points. Let's be honest: we're scoring enough points to win. I mean, I know, I know, you know, we're not scoring what we would normally score in the past. But the reality is, we put up enough points against UTSA to win the game. We put up enough points against Temple to win the game. That's not the issue. The issue is the inability for us to come out and play a complete game defensively. Because, look, let's be honest, we've got a a freshman quarterback, we've got a freshman running back, and we've got a lot of youth um, in in our skill positions there. And uh, we, we can't expect them to go out and score. Outscore the other team. We've got we've got we've got seniors all along our defense. We got to stop other teams. Period. End of story. I mean, if we want to really have finish this season well and go to a bowl, that, that it's got to start there. We've got to come out and play good defense. Not great, but good. And that's where it's got to start, guys. I'm sorry. We got we got to we've got to stop the other team. We got to keep them from when you get a lead, keep them from coming back on you. It's just that simple. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. it goes – offense, you know, has a lot to do with that because of the fumbles. Correct. I mean, Correct. Yeah, so, I mean it, it's – defense needs to stop somebody, but the offense needs to, you know, take care of the football. Well, I'm going to humbly submit punt, downs, downs, downs. That's Temple's first four possessions. Punt, downs, downs, downs. We get, we get 17 points off that, and then what do we do? We come out and fumble. I know, look, it's easy to pile on this defense. I've, I've been saying this for years. Everybody wants to jump all, all over the defense. But, damn it, <laughs> this offense, and, and look, I tried to tell everybody, nobody wanted to hear me that we were going to struggle a little bit offensively this year. Freshman quarterback, freshman running back, no solid number two receiver some offensive line issues, depth. I tried to tell everybody, and nobody wanted to hear it, and then it was made worse when we went to Arkansas State and won 55-50. to Now, let me be abundantly clear. Seth Hennigan is the number two quarterback in the league, and he's a true freshman. He's behind Tanner Mordecai. He's got a few less yards, a couple less touch. He's got the most touchdowns of anybody in the league, and he's averaging almost as many yards per game. So, while it's easy, and I said this on Twitter the other day, he he makes plays and hides some mistakes that he makes. You know, everybody's like, well, how do you hide mistakes? Well, his footwork leaves a lot to be desired, but 
we're helping him out a lot at the receiver position, especially guys like Calvin are going up and Sean are going up and getting balls. And again, this goes back to what we're talking about with the same thing every week. We're going into game six. Seth Hennigan still airmailing passes to everybody. They're all, I don't think I've seen him throw a ball too low yet this season. Now, there were some timing issues on Saturday because high snaps, whatever. But at some point, if you're the offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach, whomever's responsibility this is, you go back and you watch that tape, and you see that he threw 40 passes and 36 of them were too tall, and we've had guys that go make the, make the play. Somebody's got to say something and, and not be – not play feelings ball and say, look, why, you know, or look at, is it, are his fundamentals wrong? He seems like he's on his tiptoes a lot to me, but that that's just kind of me casually watching. I haven't really obviously gotten there and got after it film wise, but he seems like he's throwing over the top a lot. And what I mean by that is his arms coming up really high and he's releasing long and it's, and he's up on his tiptoes. So everything's kind of going to sail and he's excited. Let's not forget. He's an 18 year old kid. So he's excited. And when your adrenaline's up, you're going to throw the ball high naturally. So you combine all that and just thank goodness that he's been decent, uh, above decent. He's been great for a freshman. You know, I mean, he's completing 60% of his passes and he's only thrown one interception. I mean, what what else do you want him to do? You know, and I, we had this discussion about Brady White how many times and Memphis fans. What else do you expect the kid to do? Like, what does he need he's to played do? His ass off, John. He, 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 take, he takes he takes almost no, like I mean he he may have been sacked, but he may he takes almost no negative plays. Like he he may only get three yards on his run, but it's rare that you see him. Like I think he had one real sack where he just got you know. But I mean, and that was when Drake just got blown up on that one sack. But here's the reality: like he he gets. I mean, he, he, he moves in the pocket. He hangs in the pocket. He makes decent throws. Not great, but he makes decent throws on the run. And he, he he's made plays, guys. He is not the problem per se here. And I told you this, and I'll stand behind this. If he doesn't get hurt and he keeps this pace, he'll hold every record. He will hold every record when he leaves. He's played that well. Um, we can't, but we can't throw it on this kid to win this season for us. We can't do that. That's, I don't think that's fair, but see, I don't know what else to do. Here's my thing. We're not asking him to win. We're running the ball. Like, like we've run the ball exceptionally well. I've had, I've had three or four people and, and a buddy of mine did say something good to me because we were talking about, well, you know, we're averaging right at five yards a carry. Well, the problem with yards per carry is, that doesn't account that you, it should really be median yards per rush. Like what is the middle of the pack? Because yards per carry can be skewed kind of either way. Well, you have one long carry, right? One, right. One you have an run. 85 yard, you have an 80, a hundred, an 80 yard touchdown and three five yard runs. Well, your yards per carry is still going to be 50 yards. But if you had a median to say, okay, well, it was actually nine, then I think that would be a little better. But, Brian, here, here's what's concerning. We're saying, well, you can't put it all on the defense. Well, we can't put it all on the offense. What the hell is going on? I, to me, I still question the play, play calling. Especially, I, I believe it was in the first quarter. Uh, you know, you, you had a 
a good balance of pass and run to you know to get down to the red zone and then you didn't they throw three straight times and that's i think they settled for the field goal yep i mean if if a balance attack worked to get you there keep with the balance attack to take you all the way home i mean just and, and for the, the only thing i I guess I can't question Seth Hennigan because I, I think it's a lot of it is the play calling, but he's looking at uh, Calvin Austin way too many times. I mean, I, I know he's your number one receiver, but, uh, you know, Sean Dykes had a great game last game. He was targeted six times. He had six catches. Sean Dykes was targeted five times this game. He has five catches. All those catches came in the first half. He didn't have a, he, he wasn't thrown to in the second half. Uh, to me, uh, he's the best tight end in the American Conference. I, I, I can't think of someone who's better in the American Conference right off the top of my head. You're not using him to his, you know, to the the best of his ability. Use him. I would like to see him more in the second half. Couldn't agree with you more. I, I just I feel like he's criminally underused, and I, I don't want to just keep piling on the coaches, but you know, at some point the onus is on them to fix it. And I I do want to make a quick mention. A lot of people have been giving Joe Doyle a lot of crap. I'm sorry for what he is. He's been fine. He's missed two field goal or three field goals all season and two extra points. He's not a place kicker. He's a punter. He has not quote cost us any games, but at some point, Back to the coaches. Is there nobody else that can kick? And, and the, I mean, these are, and, and again. And, and maybe it's our job. I mean, maybe somebody, we shouldn't be at, and I know this question's come up, and Silverfield has sort of blown it off. I mean, I'm just being honest with everybody here. Like, we all we all watch his press conferences, and, and anybody that wants to can watch them. He's been asked about what the, the, the kid's name's Kemp, right? Yeah, Plus David Kemp. And, and he's been asked about him. And literally, you get a – I mean, look, I'm going to be honest with all the – you get an STFU. That's what you get. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's what you get. Like, you get where's, – where's David Kemp? Uh, well, he, you know, we hope to have him back soon. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a that, – that, the gruff, like, why are you asking me about this? No, this is a serious question, dude. You, you got a punter out there place-kicking. Now, and 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 he has he hasn't been terrible, John. You're exactly right. He had a 51 yarder. I mean, he's played as well as you could possibly ask him to play. But like, it would be sort of like if if you had um, a, a tight end playing tackle, okay, and he's doing okay, he's doing okay, but you got a tackle that's coming back. Hey, when's our tackle coming back? Like it's a legit question, right? Well, we hope to get him back soon. That's bull. Like you, you that's that's not an answer. But he, he, but I'm, I'm not sorry. gonna I'm not gonna put that on Silverfield because that's every coach. Sure, right? like I that's that's every coach. They don't want to give any. You know, they're they're all paranoid. They don't want to give anything away. But you know, my my question is at some point, okay, if Noah Grant is good enough to kick the ball off, can can he not? I mean. Caleb Hawkins, because during fall camp, I asked who, uh, you know, was, you know, shining or, you know, who was standing out in place kicking. And, you know, I was told Caleb Hawkins was in the lead. 
We haven't even seen them. Yeah, hadn't made the field. And my my worry is growing with this because what doesn't need to happen, you know, the folks that should be panicking are the three of us and fans, right? Like we're the ones that need to push the panic button. My concern is, is the staff starting to push the panic button because nothing's working. Like, I mean, if you look at numbers, there's no reason we're three and two. We're four and one at worst, five and oh, right? Like, if you just look at numbers, mm-hmm. except time of possession, but and turnovers and turnover, I mean, negative and, turnover rate. Yeah. And, you know, the, but at some point, it's like, okay, why are we not better? Because none of us can answer. Because every time one of us says, well, it's because, well, no, it's this. Well, they're doing this and they're, so if the defense is fine and the offense is fine and special teams is fine, then how are we losing games? I think part of it is mentality from the perspective of when we get ahead, we mm-hmm. tighten up, and it's happened to us twice now. And I guarantee you if we go out to Tulsa and we jump up 14, 17, 21, nothing, you're going to see it again where we get tight and we try to pack things in and we're scared of what's coming next. And I just – I don't know how how they fix it. I, I just – I'm at a, I'm truly it's almost a, systemic guys. It's it almost systemic. You, 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 because as a coach, I, I, I mean, I, I can only tell you like when, when you're watching adjustments be made. I, so w- when I was watching this game and I was watching it on my phone, like uh, at, at, at a, at a birthday party and I'm watching it and I clearly saw him go to switch to quarters and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, now you've got – now you can do draws, you can do screens. You can, we did none of that. And then I'm watching on the defense, they they kind of switched to running those little drag routes on us all day. And, and John, you tweeted – the text, it was open all day. I'm thinking, you know, clearly, the coaches have got to see this. And 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 I'm, I'm – we're just – we're all frustrated because we're assuming they're seeing this, but we're not seeing an adjustment. And, and John, what you're saying is – that you think they're just they they're they're so caught up in the storm that maybe they can't make the adjustment and that's scary because or, coaches- I think it's just self-inflicted wounds if they it, they may feel that you know they will be okay as long as they stop turning the ball over that the game plan works as long as you don't you know turn the ball over but I I you know. I think we all think it's a little bit more than that because, you know, like I pointed out, I, w- I want to see Sean Dykes a lot more <laughs> than, than he's being used. And there's, but I, I think there's, there's some tweaks you can do. I don't think it's all is lost, but they, there's got to be some tweaks. You got to be more aggressive on defense guys. You've got to be more aggressive. You've got to generate turnovers and you've got to generate negative plays. That mean, it, 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 there's a whole site, no risk it, no biscuit, right? I mean, if you're, you've got to get in the backfield and, and, and generate negative plays and turnovers. If you don't do that on the defense, you are just laying back and you're waiting. And in any – I'll be honest with you, the three of us can coach that defense. Hell, I mean, that's easy. You can shell up and go, we're, we're going to drop eight all day. That Take Memphis some money too. And that's not how it works. You have – got to get in the backfield and sometimes that's going to mean bringing six and seven and and see we can't do that like you you can some you don't do it no we can't we can't afford to 
and I'll, I'll just call him out. Have you watched Jacoby Francis downfield? Like can't, we can't, can't we can't, <laughs> we can't afford to send six or seven ever because when we do, that's when the other team sees that and takes their shot. But I want to go back to something Brian said about a game plan. It would be great if I thought we had one. I, I would agree, but I, I just feel like sometimes we have no plan and we just go out there and, and that's fine if you're willing to adjust because, you know, guys like Steve Spurrier and Mike Leach and these offensive guys, uh, Mike's kind of the same way. Uh, Chip Long is this way. Like, they don't go make these extensive game plans. Like, they, they don't make these huge play charts and all that. But they adjust to what the defense is showing them. Like, drive by drive, they're adjusting. So, Mike Leach may not have 150 plays on that play sheet but he's got 30 on this one and 30 on another one. And if the defense is doing this, we're going to go to this play sheet. And I feel sometimes like we are so bullheaded that we're going to, A, we're going to stick to whatever our plan is, or B, we're going to try to get too cute. Like Brian, you pointed out, drive down the field, run, pass, run, pass, run, pass, 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 pass. Well, and we come away with three. And it's because I feel like, we are, and Larry, you described it, Harvard. It's almost like we're in the storm, and the staff can't see that. Like they can't see where the next breeze is coming from and where, which way the thunderstorm's coming. And, and if they can, maybe they're just overwhelmed. I just, I don't know. And, you know, we're not trying to pick on anybody here, but we're all frustrated. And, and I guarantee you, there is no one more frustrated than the people in that coaching room right now. And if they're not, then that's a whole other issue altogether. They don't need to be there. That's well, I wasn't going to go that far, but <laughs> so that'll do it for we'll we'll put the temple game to bed and we'll look ahead to Tulsa when we come back after the break. We are guest free this week. So John Larry and Brian will talk Tulsa when we come back in just a minute. You're listening to Tigers tonight. If you're headed west with the Tigers this weekend, take your sunscreen. It's still summer in Oklahoma. This is your MemphisWeather.net Tigers Tonight first forecast. As the Tigers head to Tulsa for a a tilt Saturday evening against the Golden Hurricane, uh, we are expecting a very hot day. It's going to be 92 degrees in the afternoon uh, with mostly sunny skies and a breezy south wind gusts up to 30 miles an hour during the day. Uh, By the time the game rolls around about 8 o'clock in the evening, temperatures will still be in the mid-80s, mostly clear conditions, and that south wind about 15 miles an hour could have an effect on the kicking game. We'll want to keep an eye on that. And by the time the game gets over, it'll be around 80 degrees. MemphisWeather.net is your number one independent source of no-hype weather information for the Memphis Metro. For routine updates during good weather and wall-to-wall coverage when the skies darken and storms approach, download our mobile app or follow us on Twitter. We are MemphisWeather1. I'm U of M alum and meteorologist Eric Procius. Go Tigers! Hey everybody, John here, and while Memphis Tigers football is, of course, one of my passions, happy to host Tigers tonight, I do have a second passion, and that is travel. I'm a full-service travel agent, and I love to help families make their next great memory through an unforgettable vacation. Maybe that's a Caribbean cruise. Maybe it's a cruise somewhere like Antarctica. Maybe it's a idea of a great vacation is just laying by a beach at an all-inclusive resort, or maybe you've been dreaming of that trip to Disney. I'm here to help you make those dreams come true, no matter what 
type of vacation you're looking for. Hey, for Tigers Tonight listeners, I've got a special deal. If you book a vacation with me anytime during the Memphis football season, I'll give you 25 bucks off your vacation just for mentioning you heard about me on Tigers Tonight. In addition, I'll waive my normal planning fee of 50 bucks. That's just for our listeners here on Tigers Tonight. So just shoot me an email over at john at travelbyjohn.net and we'll get the planning process started. Again, that's john at travelbyjohn.net. And welcome back into the program, everyone. John Maddox with you as we get set for Memphis and Tulsa on Saturday night from Skelly Stadium. One of the crap. I think Larry's described it as the third worst stadium in Tulsa, uh, behind third two best. High, or well, third maybe best. The third, it may be the third worst, but it's the third best for sure <laughs> behind two high schools. So Memphis comes into this game, uh, three and a half point underdog, which really surprised me. Um, but to be fair, it opened at six. And the dumb money, which is what they usually call the people that bet early, your smart money will come in Friday and Saturday. Bet this thing down to three and a half. I, I was expecting a pick them. Or maybe Memphis to be favored by a couple. I, I just didn't think – and I still don't, let's be clear, I don't think Tulsa's a better team than we are with all of our faults. No, I don't know that they have better players. Let's not Let's not go to the team thing yet. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that they have better talent. I don't, I know they don't have better talent than we do. Right. Um, but Brian, were you a little bit confused when you saw that line come out in Memphis, a dog? Yeah, no, I was very surprised. And I think what people are looking at is the, the, you know, Memphis's form right now, you know, Oh, you know, Oh, two, the past two games and uh, not really looking great in those loss self-inflicting wounds and i think that says more about memphis's play than, than tulsa because i mean tulsa they only had i mean when you take a look at their their schedule i mean they lost to uc davis uh and then they played oklahoma state tough but i mean you just got thrashed by uh houston and and didn't look good at all so I don't know. I, I think, you know, the uh, the betting line, they were looking at more of Memphis's play than Tulsa. But still shocking. I mean, I, I couldn't believe six-point favorite. And you get three points for being at home? Yeah. It, yeah, I, I don't know. I I, I'm, I don't usually try to play into the money side, but I just – I did not understand that. Um, but I'll tell you this, not that I encourage betting, but the over is 63. I'd hammer that bad boy, hammer it like it's going out of style. Um, so, come, <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing you're going to take when Memphis takes the field, take the over. Uh, a lot of reasons for that. So, Memphis comes in. They're averaging almost five yards in a rushing attempt, holding opponents a little over three and a half. Tulsa's averaging a little under four and a half. So, again, Larry, this is a game where Memphis should be able to run the football and kind of establish some dominance in the running game and assert themselves if they're willing to do so. Well, and, 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 and take Brandon Thomas off the freaking milk cartons. I'm sorry. I know he fumbled the football, but he is your most dynamic back. I love Rodriguez Clark. I do. I love him, but he is not going to break an 80 yard run. Brandon Thomas can do that for you. 
I, to me, I understand that he's had some fumbling. He's fumbled twice. I get it. And, and it, it's, it's, it's a problem, but guys, turnovers happen. And um, Kylan Watkins fumbled the football too. So, I mean, turnovers happen. You have to put your most dynamic players out there. Get, I, would, I would run, I would give a healthy dose of Brandon Thomas this week. I would give a healthy dose of Kylan Watkins, who looked great coming back. Glad he's back, but he looked really good. And, and guys, I would try to run the football on these guys. They, they, we can do this, but I mean, you know, I'll be honest, John, you asked whether we're a running team or a passing team. I see a lot of commitment to throwing the football by our offense coordinator. I just do. I would, I would try to run the football this week a lot. But, you know, you say that we threw it 40 times and ran it 38. (laughs) We were balanced. I think it's more, and and Brian, we've talked about this too with turnovers. It's more when we choose to call a certain play, like that first drive we were talking about last week, get down the field and it's pass, pass, pass. So you can't just look at the numbers and go, oh, well, it was even. But, But I feel like if Memphis can't get themselves going on the ground this week, now it might be time to push a panic button because Tulsa's not great against the run. Yeah, no, they and you can get big chunks of yardage against this defense. So to to me, this is this is the type of game where I think you can right a lot of the wrongs uh, here. This should be a game that you come out and dominate, and, and frankly, you need to dominate. But if Memphis gets up early, <laughs> when does that doubt creep in for the players? Like, okay. Third game in a row, we get up big. Do they start tightening up? Do, do, you know, I know, I know. At fans, they'll they'll be like, "Oh, you know, we're up big," but you know, I'm now I'm scared, which is odd, you know, to say I'm, you know, if Memphis goes up 17, 20 points or something like that, then Memphis fans <laughs> are going to get worried. Weird to say, but uh, you know, the way Memphis has played, you have to be worried. But uh, I, I do think that this is a type of game, like I said, you can right a lot of the wrongs. This is a game that you should be able to find Sean Dykes. And, and please, you know, if the coaching staffs listen to this, have Hennigan look for someone else other than Calvin Austin. <laughs> you know, still look for, for Austin at, at some times, but open it up, you know, to, to other folks, especially Sean Dykes. Get him involved. They do a good job of getting him involved in the first half. But they don't. They never stick with them, and you know that's that's a shame. But they they really do need to find him more. Yeah, and you know, but part of that it's incumbent upon the receivers to make themselves available. But what what I think we're seeing some too is we're trying to make it easy for Hennigan. And what the the you can do that one of two ways as an offense. You can say, you know what, we're going to throw short. We're going to throw screens. We're going to throw quick outs, we're going to throw curls, square ends, slants. We're going to make easy throws. Basically, we want to make extended handoffs. Or what Justin did, and and this is a way they hit a lot of Paxton's deficiencies, and we came to find that out, is you tell Seth, you got two choices, Calvin on the go, uh, Sean on the square end, or you take off, and that's it. Those are your those are your choices. Um, not really a true RPO, although we ran a little bit of that. I'm so tired of hearing announcers call everything an RPO when it's not. It's called play action. Look it up. Um, but I think that might be more what we're seeing is 
Larry, your read is Brian. And if Brian's coverage, you throw it to John. And if John's coverage, you get what you can. And so I think that's why we're not seeing a lot of other guys get involved. But then it's incumbent on the coaching staff to call plays for those other guys and to say, all right, Javon, we need you on this play. You're going to run it. When's the last time Memphis threw a damn post route? <laughs> I, 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 I mean, we, we ran a, well, the, the ivory route was sort of a, well, that was a seam flag route. I, I don't know. Just I, a true it, post where you take the widest of the wide and you tell them to go 20 yards and then head to the goalpost. Can we not throw? I mean, and some of that, just, we don't this have. This not his offense, John. And That's we, just not his offense. We don't have anybody other than Calvin that can really take the top off the defense either. And so what teams have started doing is they've started stacking Calvin. And what I mean by that is Bracket. he's going to have over the top every time. They're, they're going to put a safety wherever Calvin is. There's a safety on that side of the field. And what we have to do as an offense is figure out how to make somebody else beat you. Because, Brian, you're right. If you take Calvin and Sean and you take them out of the game, where's it coming from? And, and that's, that's my biggest kind of concern here is that, look, we can't go to Tulsa because this is a chance – to go and take on a one-and-four football team that just got absolutely manhandled by a average-at-best Houston team, maybe a little better than average, but this is not Houston of three and four and five years ago. This was an average. Craig is an Ward's av- not walking through that door. No, and, and Clayton Toon, he, well, actually, I may not say that. He might still be the quarterback. He is. Um, yeah, you know, he's only in his 43rd year of eligibility. Um, John Corn's not coming through that door anytime soon for Houston, but – you know, if you're Tulsa, they've thrown eight interceptions this year. That's a lot. And they've this this stat kind of blew me away. They have forced, I'm gonna go find it to make sure I'm right. They have forced 11 fumbles this year, and they've only recovered two of them. That's just very bizarre to me that they forced that many fumbles and only recovered two. And they've thrown eight picks this year. Davis Brin is their quarterback, and he's thrown eight interceptions against six touchdowns. So, guys, as as we've talked, here's a chance to do several things. Run the football better and get some turnovers. You can turn these guys over. They've shown a propensity for that. But are we going to be in the position to make those plays is the big question. Mindset. Yeah. It's all about the mindset. Like, defensively, it's about a mindset of attacking versus being passive. And, guys, we're passive right now. We are not attacking the offense. We are letting them come to us and hoping they make a mistake. That's what our, our defense is right now. Well, you know, and that that uh, play you were talking about that even Doc Holliday remarked on that Drake Clark got blown up on a, a blitz that resulted in a, a sack to Seth Hennigan. You know, Doc mentioned – and this is true of defense too. Like this is, this is kind of the microcosm of everything. Drake's got to get out and step out to that guy and meet him halfway there. Like you don't let him come to you. You go get him and knock him on his, on his, or, try, uh, or try real hard, right? On his I mean, John Brown hind parts, as Denzel Washington would say. You just you go get him, and and Drake just kind of waited on him and got just obliterated. And we're seeing that defensively. We're doing a whole bunch of waiting. Right, like a whole bunch of 
waiting for something to happen. And this is on both sides of the ball. We're waiting for Calvin to make a play. We're waiting for Dykes to make a play. We're waiting for Greg Rubin to get a big hit. We're waiting for Jacoby Francis to get an interception. Damn it, just go do it. Quit. What's the uh, – it's in space balls where they're like, what are we preparing for? Just go do it. Why are we still preparing? Just go. And I think our confidence is really shaken, Brian. And I, and I think that's a little bit of it. We probably read a few of our own press clippings. But all three of us, we saw a lot of these red flags after the Arkansas State game. So now if you're Memphis and we go to Tulsa and we jump up 14 nothing, what happens? I would be worried. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, until, until they prove that they can do it, Anytime Memphis gets a lead, you know, you're, you have that doubt creep in the back of your head. And what you don't want is the doubt in the players' heads. And because it's happened twice, I think it's, 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 it's going to take a little bit uh, for those players not to have that doubt. You know, coaches can, can try to preach it all they want to, but the players, I mean, they, they have to live through it. They're, they're going to have to, you know, to go through it. So if, if Memphis gets that lead, it's going to be the, uh-oh, what happens next? You know, and I think the other key is, and Larry, you've talked about this, in these past two losses, we've had a chance to take it from 17 to 24, and we haven't taken advantage of it against UTSA. We had a chance to go from 21 to 28, and we didn't take advantage of it. So for me, my key this week is if we are fortunate enough to get up by 10 or more points, it's for us to take that next step forward and push that lead. Because when you have doubt, the best way to solve that doubt is to put the doubt on the other team and make them believe they can't come back. Again, mindset. You, you get a lead and you go out there and you step on their neck. You cannot, especially if you get an early lead. So because, because first quarter leads are fool's gold, can, can be fool's gold. Um, you, when you get a first quarter lead, you then go and you – especially defense, you lock them down and you go, look, this, you're not coming back. Like, this is not happening. Like we're going to, I'm going to knock you completely. Every time you try to do something, I'm just going to knock you down. That it, it, it's got, you've got to change your mindset and be aggressive on both sides of the ball, but specifically on defense, we've got to be aggressive. You can, you've got the lead. You can go do things. You can do different. Are you, all right. So we can't blitz six guys. But, but we can play more aggressively in, 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 in the, in the uh, defensive backfield. I mean, we can, we can take a few chances here or there. Go make a play. Go, go knock a ball, tip a ball in the air. Um, you know, go for the strip. Hell, I mean, you, you've got the lead. Make that play. You've got, you've got an, an opportunity to go do things. That's what a lead to having a lead's all about is – um, you know, get, playing from behind means you got to play perfect. You've got the lead. You don't have to play perfect. You can take a chance. I don't. I, I don't understand it. Like, don't lay back and let them come back on you. You go out there. I, go for the strip. Go for the interception. Um, you know, try to make something happen. Get your get the ball back to your offense. Get another touchdown. Now you get it twenty four to seven. Twenty four seven. Twenty four nothing. And you go. Okay, come at us again. I mean, you beat them until they quit. You got, I mean, that's, it's, you know, we talked about this last year, guys. Like you guys said, well, the mentality of Silverfield's not to run the, run the score up on somebody. Damn it, you, you got to. You got to. You don't have any choice. 
Yeah, look, if you get up 50 to nothing, all right, you want to call off the dogs? Okay, fine. I'm with you. But but we just proved no lead in the first half is safe. You have to go out there and you have to keep playing. And I just see a bunch of a passive team right now. That's just how I see it. Yeah, it does seem like when they do have a big lead, instead of playing to win, it changes to playing not to lose. It does seem, you know, a, a, a sudden shift uh, in the in not necessarily the play calling, but just the whole team aura that just, you know, body language and everything. It just seems like they, they flip the switch to, you know, instead of playing to win, they just play not to lose. And it is sudden that you're absolutely right. It is, it is like when we get that lead and then something bad happens, that's when, and, and you know, look, I tell people this all the time, the other play, the other team has good players right? Like, or they wouldn't be an FBS school. They have good players. And you know what good players do sometimes? They make plays. It just, it happens. Even Nick Saban will tell you it happens. The other team has good players too. We're not the only team with, with uh, Calvin Austin or a good quarterback or a good running back. Like the other team's got those too. But the problem comes in when they make one, when, when we give up one player, we fumble the ball and they score it's like it's over it's it's a sudden mindset shift and it, and it's and it's very odd and we didn't experience that much under Fuente and we didn't experience it under Norvell we got a little bit of that towards the end of Tommy and a couple times during Tommy's tenure but the Memphis I'm used to seeing is we go out we dominate games and then we lay a clunker like an absolute just clunker on the field uh like Justin's last year at Temple was just a a clunker and we'll go out and we'll just have a terrible game but I'm not used to seeing this mentality of we're up 17 nothing and then they score and it's like oh well we we got to show up now we've got to we've got to go on our shell because we can't let them oh, oh wait they scored 14 okay all right so we're not going to make any more mistakes oh it's it's 20 and it's just like it just rolls and rolls and rolls and you look up and then you're behind and then to Larry's point now we have to be perfect we can't afford another mistake. We can't afford a fumble. We can't afford to go three and out. Look, one good thing about the last game, Memphis only went three and out one time. The only problem with that, Temple did not go three and out. But to me, the running game is the key this week, is we have got to, okay, or if we're not going to run the ball, we got to find our identity this week. Because I'm here to tell you, if we don't get this one, I don't see six. Because if we don't get that, because look, Navy just beat down UCF. Navy's getting hot at the right time. Navy is coming around. They're, they're, they've got a quarterback, and they're kind of figuring this thing out. And then you're going to have a pissed-off UCF team. And then you got to come home to what I think is the second-best team in the league, and that's SMU. So if we don't get this one, then you're sitting at 3-3, three and three, and you are staring 3-6 three and three and six right in the face. East Carolina is better. At Houston will be a challenge, and then Tulane will be a challenge. You know, if Memphis is three and six going into November or going in that second week in November, yeah, uh, you're screwed. You got you you, you got to win two games here in October. You got to. I mean, and and it and, doesn't really matter which two, other than right, I think you got to get you got to get one. two here, and then and then you know I I think I think you can win a couple in November and and get out of here with a seven win season, but. Guys, I, I I don't know. Like I just don't know. And and we talked about this the other day. Like 
Um, I I know it's two three point losses, and you know from thirty thousand feet you look at it and go, well, it's two three point losses that they could have they could have won. You're right, you're right, but it's how they lost. It's you get a big lead, and then you tighten up, and and that's not winning football. That's not how you play winning football. Winning football is you get a lead, the other team makes a little comeback, and then you just hammer them down like that look there's going to be ebbs and flows in the game but you've got to adjust and just just go for the kill and i don't know guys i don't know where we're headed here um we're going to find out and i'm going to be at the game this week we're going to find out a lot about this football team on saturday um and i i will simply just say this i think if you're a tiger fan no matter what happens the rest of the season, I, I said I thought we were going to take a step back this year. Uh, and we, we will take a step back. But we still have a lot to look forward to. And, and I'm, I'm really excited about the team one way or another uh, going forward. But, yeah, the next the next seven weeks um, – am I right, seven weeks? Or is it eight? Eight. This we is, have a bye eight. week in there. Sorry. The next eight weeks are going to be really, really interesting. And – um, I, I just think we I, I think we have to play each week as it goes. But guys, I, 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 I think we'll make a bowl, but I think you're right. Like, boy, I, trying to find three wins in this. I don't think there's a game out there that you would just go. Yeah, we got that one. So, Brian, we will start with you when uh, it'll be 11.39 p.m. Central. You will look up at the Skelly Field scoreboard, and it will say. I would like to see Memphis come out strong and just, you know, blow Tulsa out. I don't see it. I think it's going to be another game where, you know, Memphis may get an early lead and, and, you know, pray to hang on. I, I see a close game. I see. I do see Memphis winning something like 38. I mean, I'm sorry, 31 to 28. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was the reverse, if it Tulsa won 31-28. This is – we talked about before how the margin of error is razor thin. I think this game is going to be closer, you know, than what some people might think. But I would – Memphis really needs a blowout win here just to, to get that morale. But, you know, I think they're, I think it's going to be close. I really do. Larry? I've gone back and forth on this. I, I, well, first of all, I think Memphis is going to win this game. And I think it's going to be by a bigger margin than we probably think. I, first off, I think we're going to score in the 40s because I, I, I think you're going to see a, a football team that comes out and focused. Um, I, I, I think, I think you're going to see something like 43 to 30, something like that. Um, Memphis should win this game. They really should. They've got better players. They need to play like the better team and, um, they just need to play more focused. And, um, you know, like I said, um, I'm hoping that what you'll see is, is a pissed off football team that comes out, comes to Tulsa. Well, good. Cause I'm about to give them more ammunition. I think Tulsa is going to win 38, 31. Because I, I don't, I don't see it. Whatever it is, like I, you know, not to bring wrestling into this, or whatever. But like 
when you look at certain pro wrestlers, you see them go, oh, that guy's a star because he has it. And everybody's like, well, what is it? Well, I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. This Memphis team does not have it. They don't have that it factor that every team before them has had. We've got an identity crisis. It's not an identity problem anymore. This is a crisis. We have an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. And when Memphis doesn't know who Memphis is, that makes it very easy for other teams. But I think Tulsa wins this game 38-31. Love to be wrong. Um, did not have this penciled as a loss when we started the season, especially after the first week. You're thinking, oh, you see Davis. What in the hell? The only reason I have optimism that Memphis can win the game is I'm not sure Tulsa can score. That That's just – but, you know – I didn't think Temple could score. I didn't think UTSA could score, although we tried to tell everybody about UTSA too. And we told people about Temple that that was going to be a bit of a fight. But I'm telling you guys, if Memphis doesn't get this one, it's going to be interesting the rest of the season because Memphis has – and look, that can have a negative impact too. You know, that's a lot of pressure to say a game on October the – whatever the heck it's going to be – uh, ninth is a must-win game, but I'm sorry, but it is. Memphis has to win this game, and if Memphis doesn't, then it could spiral very easily out of control because I I thought at the beginning of the year Memphis had a good bye week. I thought that was pretty good right after that UCF game. Man, and I'm sure the coaches would agree with me, what they wouldn't give to have a bye week this week and just kind of to circle the wagons. Because the other thing that Memphis can't do is, and I've heard a lot of fans clamoring about the 3-4, you can't just change from a 3-4 to a 4-3 in the middle of the season. It's two totally different mindsets. So Memphis has to come out and say, you know, they have on the side of the bus, this is Memphis. Ready to see it. What is it? What is Memphis? What's the uh, yeah, we're going to learn a little bit, a lot about the football team Saturday. We really yeah. are. So, but anyway, so that'll do it for this week, Brian. Hey, I got I got oh, one thing I want to oh, add real fast, absolutely. guys, and that's this. Um, and I don't I don't make it a habit of criticizing um, anybody's reporting, but the column that Jeff Calkins wrote Saturday <clears throat> regarding the Memphis Tiger team losing and it's going to cost us a shot at the Big Twelve and um. No, look, first of all, let me just add this. Um, that I, I, that lost whatever happened has nothing to do with it. And 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 I, I kind of posted it on Twitter. But to write that column and put that pressure on these kids is is wrong. It's just wrong. It is not up to a 17 or 18 or 19 or 20 or 21 year old kid to do that for this university if memphis wants in the big 12 it's real simple they got to either build a new stadium or or, or redo refurbish the stadium they got it's that friggin' simple that's what it comes down to that's what they've been told that's the bottom line mr smith i said it on the podcast i'll say it right here if they want in the big 12 they either need to modify the stadium that they've got or build a new one which is exactly what the city is looking at doing, okay? That column, to me, 
was egregious. And, and I love Jeff. Personally, I like Jeff. I know some of us here <laughs> have a different feelings, but I personally like Jeff a lot. But I think that column was wrong and it shouldn't have been written. And it's not up. And I don't want the fans to think that a random loss, even this week, even if you have a losing season this year, it's not going to have any effect one way or another. And I just want that out there, that that column was wrong and it shouldn't have been written. So that's it. I, I can't say any more about that kind of stuff than has already been said. I, I, I just think people don't get it. I mean, I don't think people understand how anything works. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example of this. And I have since actually literally closed TikTok down, deleted my account. Hold on, yards. There was an article or a, a, a person on there who uh, I'm assuming, going to assume is an academia. And he was laboring about how the University of Kentucky had to pay a $250,000 fine for their fans rushing the field on Saturday. Look, it's incredibly stupid. Let's, let's get that part out of there that they have to pay a fine. But his point was, well, what is that $250,000? Could it be going to a library? Could it be going over here? And then when it got pointed out that University of Kentucky is one of nine universities, 100% self-sufficient, they actually give money back to the school every year, about seven and a half million dollars. Well, then that's just, that's $250,000 that's going out of state. Well, okay, but it goes into the SEC postgraduate uh, scholarship fund, meaning they take this big pine, they divide it up every year and give so much for postgrad scholarships. Well, the school shouldn't have to pay that. I was like, well, the school's not paying that. I guarantee you a booster had that check stroked by, if the game ended at 11.05, 11.10 p.m., there was a check. Um, well, that that just says what all is wrong about college athletics. So I was like, so you bitch because they take money from the school. Then when they don't take money from the school and they give money back to the school, you complain about that. When people don't understand that athletics is the front porch to the university for a lot of schools, it's the only thing people know about the University of Alabama is their football team. Unless you are into this sort of thing, you don't know that they have one of the finest journalism programs in the country. You don't know that they have one of the finest marketing programs in this country. You just know that Nick Saban kicks everybody's ass every week and gets paid a lot of money to do it. But my point to tie that all to Jeff is people have a failure to understand how anything works. And when they have that failure to understand, they grasp at straws and write short-sighted articles like that. Now, where Larry and I are going to kind of differ here a little bit is I have a hard time watching these kids get what they get, uh, get showered with all the praise and adulation, and still turn around and say, well, you, you can't talk, you can't put that kind of pressure on them. My kids bring that pressure on themselves. And, but, I, you know, I also subscribe to the Mike Gundy theory. I'm a man, I'm 40. Pick on me. Right. right. You want to write that column, write it to Laird Veach. You want to write that column, write it to Dr. Rudd. Write it to Ryan Silverfield. Yep. But leave the damn kids out of it. Yep. Well, leave, leave the student athletes out of it because I hate calling them kids because they're Yeah, they're leave, leave, leave the young men. Leave the young men out of this. This is on – if you want to blame the coaches, if you want to blame Laird Veach, if you want to blame Dr. Rudd, you want to blame Jim Strickland. I mean, now, first off, in my opinion, knowing what I know, most of those guys are doing the God, are doing the Lord's work and trying to get this done. Okay. But, but, but I understand, the, but it, 
look, we're not going back to the Larry Porter years. That's never going to happen. There's too much money involved. There's too much commitment. Um, and look, I'll say it straight on this show right now. Ryan Silverfield, if he does not go to a bowl, he is on the hot seat, period. I don't know that he gets fired, but he'll be on the hot seat. And if he loses Saturday and what happens that you say it could happen, happens. And let's say he doesn't find a way to win three more games and he doesn't go to a bowl. Hell, even if he does win three more games and goes to a bowl, he's still probably going to be on the hot seat next year, period. And if he goes win six games next year, he's probably gone. And that's just the reality of where Tiger Athletics football is right now. Yeah, I think gone are gone are the days of guys getting seven and eight and nine years to figure this out. Because even though what happens Saturday does not matter in the long term stretch of things, if you string together twelve or thirteen of those Saturdays over the next two years. Yes. That could have an impact because that's sure. going to impact attendance. That's going to impact who's watching you on TV. That's going to impact a lot of things. It's going to impact recruiting. So you can have the bad Saturday, but you can't string bad Saturdays together. Look, Mike Norvell is not going to survive this season at Florida State. I'm telling everybody now, he's not going to make year two. Justin Fuente might survive this year, but he's toast next year. Guys, that <laughs> that says something, you know, when because they're not going to give Norvell another year. I, I firmly believe that. I, I haven't been told anything, but I'm telling you, I know that I know that group down there. They're just not going to tolerate it. And Memphis is in a similar position to where we know what's at stake. See that that's the difference now, and the Larry Porter years. We know what is at stake now, and we have people that know what is at stake now sitting not only on normal, but they're sitting in boardrooms around the city. And one of them occupies 125 North main street on the third floor. And that would be the mayor because he knows what's at stake because you've got too much big business and too much money coming in that Memphis needs to be in a power five league because when that happens, and again, I say this to all the naysayers, when that happens, the whole situation around here changes because it gives you the feel of a major league city. Same thing happened when we got the NBA. Like it changed the whole trajectory of this city. When the NBA said, you know what, we're going to come there because we believe you'll support the team and we've done a pretty good job of it. But I look, just let stuff like Saturday go because we sell, you know, we've got to have a short memory too. We can't have a hangover with Saturday ourselves as fans. The football team, Memphis, cannot have a hangover on Saturday as the football team. So it's time to just pick up and move on and don't yeah, worry. Let's about go to Tulsa. Let's win this game. Let's let, let's let right. And and the rest of this is like I understand that we're all fans and we're get all wretched. But 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 I did want to make the comment that that column was garbage and and it was pure clickbait in my humble opinion. And that's that's really all I was trying to say. Not going to disagree with you. I do love the T-shirt that every zoo is a petting zoo. What does the bottom part say there? Every zoo is a petting zoo if you're brave enough. Look, <laughs> I know we're laughing and joking right now, but what did we just spend 40 minutes talking about? Be, be brave. Every, be brave. What, because if you lose Saturday, who knows what happens the rest of the way. Right. You got, you got real soul searching after that. 
So, Brian, what, what have we got going on over at TSR this week? Uh, we will have the Tulsa and Memphis uh, Pro Football Focus comparisons. That should be up tomorrow. And uh, I'm, it'll be for next week. But uh, what I'm going to do is compare, you know, just like a midseason report. Uh, after six games, how does Memphis stand compared to what they were last year? I'll have the roundup, AAC roundup, up tomorrow. Awesome. And don't forget, everybody, if you have not subscribed, it is $20.21 for the rest of the year. Uh, it's a great deal. It gets you access to some premium stuff that we do, access to our private message boards, um, just a lot of great information and content for a very minuscule investment of $20.21 for the year. Uh, Larry will be in Tulsa on Saturday. He'll have full coverage on Twitter for us out there. And uh, then the Tigers will come back home a week from third or two weeks from Thursday, two weeks from the, we're recording on Wednesday. So two weeks, no, a week from tomorrow. My week bad. from tomorrow. Yeah. And that'll be the Navy game, which is Larry's favorite and John's probably and his favorite game. And, and I'll be following it on a plane. So there you go. I'll be back in the saddle for the, for that. And uh, we have college basketball starting next week too. We have uh, Memphis madness, which we'll have coverage of that as well. So for the best co-co-hosts in all the land, Larry Marley and Brian Moss, this is John Maddox signing off saying go Tigers go and we will see everybody next week. Opinions expressed on this program by our guests and hosts do not represent the opinion of their employers or the University of Memphis. This podcast is in no way endorsed or affiliated with the University of Memphis. Join us again next week for another edition of Tigers Tonight.